Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. But we've got a bit of a change to the schedule here. Um, now, we'd, we'd plan to speak to Adam Collins later in the show but uh, things have changed, and we've got to speak to Colo now. So, Adam Collins, welcome to Sports Day. Great to be on. Sorry to mess with your schedule. I, I go <laughs> off for a bit shortly, and I, I wanted to make sure I got a chance to talk to you guys first. No, it's great to have you, Colo. Colo is brought to us by Tire Power Brands. You can trust like Max's Tires. Big holiday sale on now. We did touch on just a moment ago that the cricket, the test matches do start and start tomorrow in Perth. So, Colo, let's let's get straight into it. So we obviously we take on the West Indies. Um, what can we expect from this West Indies team that has come to Australia? Probably a lot of people don't know a lot about the side. Uh, how are they going to fare against us? Yeah, I think it's reasonable that Australian fans wouldn't know an awful lot about this group of West Indian players because the truth is they haven't been here for seven years. So, and that was a fairly awful series. Australia won two 0 It would have been three 0 if not for the downpour in Sydney across three separate days, and they were borderline uncompetitive under Jason Holder. The good news is that they are better now as a test side. They have invested quite a bit into the long-form game in the last couple of years under the leadership of Craig Brathwaite. They haven't lost a test match this year. They beat England 1-0 at home, and they swept Bangladesh 2-0. So a relatively small sample size, but I mean that's compared to the amount of test cricket that Australia played. But I feel like there, there has been a bit of a shift in emphasis where the West Indian players have had to almost make a choice between red ball cricket and white ball cricket over the last generation or so for sort of well-documented financial reasons. When now I, I feel like there is a group coming through who are prioritising red ball cricket and thus it's the building blocks of something. So, I mean, I, I think that they will be outmatched in Perth on a pitch that will be lively. And I, I suppose we'll come to that in a moment, but taking it as a whole in terms of the progression of West Indian cricket it feels like they are in a better place than when the last time they visited back in 15-16. So before we get to the pitch, if we move to the Australian side of things, it's been a pretty solidified team now for a number of years. There hasn't been too many changes. Are we expecting that to be the same for this series? Yeah, it's the most straightforward 11 you could ever wish to pick. Uh, Pat Cummins, when we spoke to him this morning, said as much that he's never played in a more stable side. But again, this is quite interesting. This is the start of like a 15-test match run, if you like. There's five this summer. Then there's the World Test Championship final in June, if they make it. Um, between times, they play India in four matches over in India in February and March. And then they finish off with an Ashes series in England. So for this generation, players like, say, Warner and Kawaja, who are 36 and 35 years old, respectively, Mitchell Stark's 33, Nathan Lyons, 35, I mean... They may not play another important stretch of cricket quite like this, and it starts here. So even if the Windies will be, the, on, on paper at least, the most straightforward of these series, it all builds to a focal point next year in, in England uh, and in India. So as far as the, the set-and-forget 11 they've had, really for the better part of four years, if you consider um, that fast bowling group of Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark and the spinner line, they've been together now for five summers non-stop since Cummins returned to Test cricket on a full-time basis in 2017 when he recovered from all of those various back injuries. So it's very rare you see a group of cricketers who play 
that consistently together. And I think at the moment, that's their, their foundation and their strength. There's no real surprise in the Aussie squad as well. And, and Pat Cummins come out and named that side today. But Marcus Harris misses out. Scott Boland misses out. Um, is Scotty Boland unlucky to miss out on selection? <laughs> oh, look, I, I think with Boland, what they'll do is they'll, they'll ensure that he plays this year at some stage, remembering they're playing five test matches in six weeks. It is a, it is a, a cramped schedule, as it regrettably always seems to be these days in Australia. So gone are the days of a, a test series taking two months or longer. They really squeeze them in, and that's two against the Windies and three against South Africa. Well, I'd be surprised if they, they use Hazelwood and Stark to play every test. Cummins, they probably will because he's captain. But I can see room for rotation and rest there. And, and of course, Boland's record's unbelievable, isn't it? He averages, what, nine in test cricket or something ridiculous. And um, there'll also be an emphasis on wanting him to play because he went to Pakistan, he went to Sri Lanka, and he was never really going to play. But this time next year, or, or, or should I say in June, July next year in England, he will play, uh, much as it was with Peter Siddle in 2019. In all yes. probability, they'll see Boland as a great bowler for those conditions with an edge over England already. So... I doubt they'll want to take him to England next year for an Ashes series without any test cricket between what happened last summer and what's going to happen next summer. So it stands to reason to me that they'll give him an opportunity or two through the next six weeks to um, to just to reinforce that he's a bowler that can do it at this level. Now, Colo, you mentioned the pitch before. There's been a little bit of commentary around that. What can we expect to see from the wicket over in Perth at Optus Stadium? Yeah, we were just doing a press conference with the curator. I love that, by the way. It's the only country in the world where we get to do press conferences with the curator before a test match. It's great. Um, and, and uh, I mean, they don't even call them curators anywhere, but here I, I, I'm lucky enough to, to cover cricket around the world. And they're simply groundsmen everywhere. But here, I like that it's sort of a, an artistic notion around someone who develops a pitch in Australia. I think it's a, a great part of our, our cricketing culture. Anyway, um, he was telling us that they've left 12 millimetres of grass on the surface overnight. Um, they reserve the right to take some off before the toss, but I was taking a look at the pitch a couple of hours ago, and it's look, it's green. Um, that, that, I mean, it's the only way to describe it. The, um, the curator went on to say that that just reflects the fact that the grass is nice and healthy, and they need to leave moisture and grass uh, in the surface because it's really hot here. It was 37 today. It's meant to be 38 tomorrow, the latest forecast I've seen. And, and we know over the years that in Perth, if they don't leave moisture and grass on there early, it tends to really crack open by days four and five. And we want that, don't we? We want a Perth pitch to crack open. That's part of the charm of being over in the West. But um, there is a point where that can be um, to the detriment of the contest. So I think on that basis, we can expect a fast, lively um, surface on, on morning one, which would be great. And it might even incentivise Pat Cummins to bowl first. We saw what happened at the Gabba 12 months ago against England when they got the chance to bowl first on morning one. They bowled it out for 150 and set the tone for the series. So... I'm not saying that Cummins would necessarily elect to bowl first, but um, usually the etiquette, of course, being on a, on a hot day to bat if you get the opportunity. But if Australia did get the chance to bowl, if the Windies batted first, then it might play right into their favour on a surface like this. Speaking of bowlers, the West Indies have a young bowler by the name of Jaden Seals. He's the youngest West Indian to take a five-wicket haul in a test match. He has yep. played nine tests, has 36 wickets at just over 21. Um, tell us a little bit about Jaden Seals. Yeah, and a strike rate of 40, which is right up there with the very best to play the game. So he's slippery. He swings the ball. I wouldn't call him express pace. Alzari Joseph is genuinely quick. Yes. Seals is more a kind of guy who will land it on a handkerchief and move it around. And as you say, he's only 21. 
he took that fifer at Sabina Park against Pakistan last year in a, in a match-winning effort. And he's been great this year, super consistent. So, um, look, it, it's exciting that the West Indies are producing genuine match-winning bowlers. And our Zari Joseph, you can expect to see him, if he gets on a roll, bowling up around 150 kilometres an hour. And you combine with those two, Kemar Roach, who's, I think he's got 250-odd test wickets now. He's been going around for a long time, but, but he feels like his best cricket's been in the last few years as far as his output for the West Indies and in domestic cricket, both in the Caribbean and in England. So as a trio, they're pretty strong. Um, so as I said before, if, if Australia get the chance to bowl at the Windies tomorrow morning, they'll be in the game. The same will apply if the West Indies are bowling first. If they can get it right with the new ball on a surface that should suit with those three seamers complemented by Jason Holder, who's got a great record uh, the former captain. I mean, he's nowhere near as quick as the other three, but a good record nevertheless. Uh, and even Kyle Mayers, who's a genuine medium pacer. You, you'll watch him bowl and you'll think nothing of him. Um, but he's got his test wickets at 13 this year, so there's clearly something going right. Uh, and he's got a bit of a, a golden hand about him. He took a took a five-wicket haul against England over earlier this year back at, back at home. So you, you would think that they were going with all five of those seamers and maybe Roston Chase, the off-spinner as well, who can bat inside the top six. Yeah, now look, we're looking forward to the game here at SEN, but ticket sales probably haven't been fantastic, to be fair, Colo. Is, is that a mm. Perth thing? Is that a potentially a World Cup hangover, I guess, from the T20 competition? Is it Justin Langer over there? There's a few various reasons. What do you think? Yeah, I, look, I think it's a, a little from all of those columns. I'd also add that when we've had Test cricket played at the Wacker at this time of year, that the crowds have been pretty small as well when England haven't been involved. There was a a test match between Australia and South Africa that I was covering in probably 2016. And there wouldn't have been more than 12,000 there on day one. So you measure um, against historical standards. I, I don't think this will be a complete outlier, but you, you're absolutely right in saying that in a big 60,000-seater stadium, um, when they're at the back of a poor World Cup and there is the Langer factor, it's unavoidable. Pat Cummins was asked a number of questions about Langer at his press conference this morning and handled them quite well, but he was quite strident in reminding um, the gathered media, that there are no cowards in his team, using his words. And, of course, um, that was the term that, that Langer used last week to describe sources who spoke to the media about his coaching style. And uh, and, and I think that we've come and he's, he's not going to sort of uh, shirk the contest, if you like, when it comes to those kind of topics. And, look, uh, I put it to him today that there's a criticism of him out there in the public that he is, quote, too woke and that they'll take the knee tomorrow um, in a test match for the first time with the West Indies here. And, he just brushed us straight off. He's like, well, if you, yeah, we're sports people, but if we're, we're also human beings and we're going to say what we think. So um, there, there might be some criticism that comes his way around topics like that, but, but he doesn't seem to mind and they're just happy to get on and, and do their job and at the same time um, say what they think on the way through. Colo, what are you looking forward to the most out of this test series? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Look, I think it comes back to where we started. I'd love to see a competitive West Indies side in Australia. I mean, we all would have had that sort of visceral experience growing up watching the Windies with four quicks steaming in, knocking over Australian sides. Look, that isn't realistic at the moment. They, they, they aren't at that part of their development. But wouldn't it be great to see two competitive test matches on two great surfaces? I reckon there's a case to be made that, that Perth and Adelaide give the most in the country right now for bowlers. Maybe Melbourne um, last year as well against England. But... These should be two pitches that, that are exciting, that do provide the, the backdrop to good test cricket. And that's all we can really ask for. The last time the Windies were out here in 15-16, it was right in the middle of that time where every pitch was a feather bed. Every pitch was a flatty. And it didn't make for exciting test cricket. 
it meant the Australian batters could get on top and bat all day. I just don't sense it'll be like that. Maybe that's a little bit of wishful thinking, but um, their comparative advantage is their bowling, the West Indies, as, as we touched on throughout. So if they can get it right and, and they can be in the test match after a couple of sessions, I, I like to think that, that that will provide viewers and listeners throughout the five days with, with something interesting, a real contest to start the summer. Colo, insightful as always. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Day SA. A pleasure.